talk to OBJ uh, probably every week. You know, I check in with him. You know, keep uh, keep in touch with him. And um, you know, G, uh, OBJ, he's a uh, you know he's a vet in this league too. He understands you know teams and team the way teams are built up too. And um, I'm sure like you know when he looks at our team, I'm sure he can see himself fitting in our team. And you know he's going on tour now. He's going to you know Giants practice facility and the Saints and Tampa and all that stuff. Which you should, you know, um, you should go around and see the league and like you know get the love. Like he's 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 still on Super Bowl tour. You know he's you know he's uh, done just about everything in this league. Like you want to go around and you want to get the love. But just me personally, like I like just the way I like to think. Like I think when it's time to you know start you know chopping the block and I think when it's time to like get down to business like we already know where he's gonna be at we know just in my eyes I, I think I know where he's gonna be at we all know what Von Miller knows it's just a matter of time before Odo Beckham Jr. returns to the Rams and some interpreted what Von Miller said yesterday as meaning Odo Beckham Jr. is going to have official visits to the Giants official visits to the Saints. He's referring to the fact that OBJ was there for the week two Buccaneers-Saints game. Right. We saw a video of Beckham right. embracing Tom Brady. I don't think he was there to check out the Saints. I think he was there to check out the Buccaneers as a potential destination. Right. He was at the Giants facility earlier this week. It was not an official visit. I just think that OBJ, and I don't fault him for this, He's just making sure people realize he's still out there. He's waiting for someone to make the full court press. The Rams are just waiting around because they can, and they just assume he's going to show up at the appropriate time, sign a contract, and get back to work once his knee's healed. But I, I do think that, that there is an opportunity for someone to blow him away. And Von Miller seems to be resigned to the fact that the Bills aren't in that equation. They're not in that conversation. They don't have an opportunity to do it. And, and maybe, he, maybe he really does know more than the rest of us. I'd like to think there's a team out there that if they decided we must go get this guy, they would have a chance to get him. I, I would think so. And, 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 you know, again, I mean, yeah, come on. We all know the Rams got the inside track. There's no doubt about it. He's in contact with them. They love him. He loves them. He loves L.A. They still got a locker in the locker room for him. I mean, all signs point to that. But as like a guy that likes Odell Beckham Jr. and I'm sitting here as just an you know innocent bystander on the outside looking in, I'd say, hey, why don't you buy a little time here? You know, yeah, get around, evaluate the league, remind everybody that you're going to be available here soon. That like you said, it's it's a smart thing, it's a good thing to do. But I, if I'm him and you want to really maximize your career here and you're you know you're you're now on the down part of your career. I would think twice about the Rams and the way they look right now. I would. I'm not sold the Rams are going to turn this around and start to look like the team we think last year. No way. I'm not ready to say that. They can't run the ball. They can't protect the quarterback. They're missing players on their team on both sides of the ball that weren't there at the Super Bowl. It might not be superstars. Some are superstars, but a lot of role players, too. They're not the same team to where, uh, and again, I don't know if he goes there and makes a huge difference for their football team as the way it looks right now. So if he's getting towards like week eight, week nine, week 10 and thinking about it, then damn, you know, I think he'd be crazy not to think about maybe the bucks and see where they go, even though they're not desperate with Godwin and Evans, but the bills for sure, the bills, 100%, you know, we're sitting here again, it's week five and we're going, 
you know, Gabe Davis has been hurt. They really don't have another weapon on the passing game other than Stephon Diggs. They got nothing going really other that way. The Bills want to win the Super Bowl. He's the type of guy that I do think would fit their culture up there. I do. And then, you know, the Chiefs, I'll throw them in there along with the Packers. You know, the Packers never have money to spend on guys like this, but, you know, those are two other teams that certainly are obvious that you'd go, they'd make those teams a, to a diff, take them to a different level of Odell's on the, on the field. If you were OBJ, where would you go? What would you do? Which team? Give me one team. It would be Chiefs or Bills. It would be. I one. I know. I guess I'd, I'd – mm. I, man, that's a tough one. I, 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 I guess there's a part of me that favors the Bills just because you'd go, you know, the Chiefs got a lot of good there. Kelsey's the man. You know, the other receivers are real good too. The Bills, like, I think you automatically have a spot carved out for you the second you get there. Like, there's no doubt, like, you're the number two, and now Gabe Davis is our awesome 2A. And you go and Vaughn's there. Josh Allen is the hottest thing in the game right now. They're a team on a mission. I would, I would seriously consider them. I think they'd probably be in the leader house, as the smart people say. <laughs> let me, let me, uh, let, let me throw a little dynamic into this. Yeah. And I think back to when OBJ was traded to the Browns, and my first concern was Cleveland's not big enough for Baker Mayfield and OBJ. Right. Too many alphas. Yeah. In LA, think about it. Yeah. OBJ can show up and be the alpha on offense because Matthew Stafford, he's not that kind he of guy. Care. Yeah, he doesn't care. Right. Cooper Cup, he doesn't care. Right. Right. In Buffalo, you know, Stephon Diggs, who we both love, love him, and who is a great interview. When it's time for football, yeah, he's he an alpha. He becomes alpha, alpha. He he's does. alpha, alpha. He is. And and Josh Allen's got some of that in him too, no doubt. So. If OBJ's looking for a place where he can be alpha, that's the problem, though. You want an alpha team, you're going to have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen where you, you, you aren't going to slip right in and become the star and everybody loves you and you get all this attention because they're already paying a lot of attention. Yeah. The Rams, the Mahomes. alphas were on defense, to your point. You're right. 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 Yeah. So he, he was able to become the guy on offense. And will that ability to go back and be that guy again and be perceived as a savior because you're right. The the Rams aren't, aren't what they were, but I could see Odo Beckham jr. Convincing himself that he's good enough to make a difference. That if, who are they throwing the ball to other than Cooper cup? Allen Robinson's been a huge disappointment. Very much. Okay. Here I am. Here I am. Now it's all going to open up. Everything's going to open up and the running game is going to open up because now they got to pay attention to cup and me. And I'm going to be the difference maker here. And and he gets to be the alpha on offense because yeah. nobody else is going to tell him not to. That That's the one wrinkle that he may not even be like conscious of. But it may make Buffalo not attractive to him because he's thinking at some level, Stephon Diggs, that's his turf. And and I show up and you know it, it may not be as smooth yeah. as it would be. If I go back to LA, I, I hear you. Maybe, maybe that would be, you know, part of the reasoning, very, but, but you know, the one thing in my time being around Odell, a lot like Von Miller, they're alphas, but they're, as we've seen, like the, the locker room loves them. I, I don't have any doubt that he can't, you know, go in there in Buffalo and, you know, I think Josh Allen and Diggs are going to go, damn, you're cut from the same cloth that we are. You love football, and when it's time to turn it on, it's like let's go psycho mode, alpha, alpha, like you're talking about. You know, I, I do think it could work. And, and again, I think the other aspect is 
you know, he what's the the main the main goal here? The the your the, the set yourself up right through this six seven game regular season you might play to then get a worthwhile contract and be somewhere and be established the right way. And you got to be picky and choosy about who that is when it's all said and done. And that's why, you know, I look at the Bills and the Chiefs to go, he could go to those two places, not have the pressure on him right away to just go, wait, you got to perform and be the guy, slowly get indoctrinated into the offense. And then, you know, a little like we saw last year at the end of the regular season, the playoff start, you start to go, dude, crap, he looks good, they look good, they're starting to figure out how to feed him the ball, and then all of a sudden you got something special. So it would be interesting to see, Mike, no doubt about it. The Buffalo Bills without Odell Beckham Jr. have the Steelers coming to town this weekend. The Steelers are 14-point underdogs, as we mentioned yesterday, something that ESPN noted on Tuesday night. First time since the merger, the Steelers are 14-point underdogs and the last team in the league since the merger in 1970 to be a 14-point underdog. Here's Mike Tomlin, Steelers head coach, on how to limit a guy like Josh Allen who runs roughshod or I think at one point you said rough shop shop around yeah. rough shop yeah. around opposing defenses. Here's Tomlin. Are there coaching techniques or principles that you can give guys to try to deal with those situations? Yeah. Build a fence. <laughs> you know, those are his talents. You know, it's, it's just like trying to tackle Lamar Jackson. You know, I was watching them on the other side of the ball deal with Lamar. And when you're dealing with guys at the quarterback position that have arm and leg talent, it's challenging. And so, you know, you can coach all you want about near leg and building the fence and all of those things. But when they get you in one-on-one circumstances, they're going to win a lot of those. They've been winning a lot of those at every level that they've ever played at uh, since Little League, I would imagine. Going to be hard to build that fence. Seven defensive players on the injury report for the Steelers on Wednesday. Minka Fitzpatrick with the knee did not practice. Cam Hayward was limited with ankle and elbow injuries. T.J. Watt obviously still not available to them. Um, It's not going to be easy. Kenny Pickett and already bringing a little swagger to the team. He said yesterday, we don't view ourselves as underdogs. Fine. That's fine. That's good. I, I wouldn't expect the team to do it. Take motivation from the fact that everyone else does, though, and see if you can go to Buffalo and shock the world like they did week one last year when they went to Buffalo and beat the Bills right out of the gates, Chris. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's un- unlikely. I mean, I'm picking the Bills to win the football game. I am. But we know Pittsburgh football. And here's, like, the one area I go, okay, hey, Pittsburgh's defense, it's, it's not great. Like, we know. I mean, it's not dominant like we've seen in, in you know, the middle part of the – you know, the, the last decade and everything that way. Um, but still, you know, creative playmakers, their health will be important, certainly. And the one thing they got going for them is at least like with Buffalo, uh, they don't have to worry about a run game, really. They don't. So they can play crazy coverages and maybe create some havoc and some chaos like they did with Joe Burrow and the Bengals early on, who also couldn't really run the ball. So it became a pass fest and that became interceptions and fumbles. That's, that's got to be their hope, but they're certainly an underdog in this one. And, you know, the bills are getting healthier now too, to where you go, they're going to be at more of a full strength roster than they've been the last three weeks. And that's, that's scary for Pittsburgh. All the players on the injury report for the Steelers on defense. Right. Not a single offensive player. Woo. Terrell Edmonds didn't practice. Mika Fitzpatrick didn't practice. Akilah Witherspoon didn't practice. Limited were Hayward, Cam Sutton, Levi Wallace, 
and Chris Wormley. And again, TJ Watt on injured reserve. He's eligible to come back. I think after this week or next week. Yeah. Maybe it's after this week. Right. But uh, that, that that's still a lot to expect after that partially torn uh, biceps. Um, or not biceps, pec. Pec. pec partially torn pec. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't write off anybody in this crazy-ass year we've seen. We've, we've seen the Bills lose a game that they won in every potential statistical category, dominated the Miami Dolphins and still lost the game. So anything can happen in today's NFL. Uh, but uh, the Steelers just seem to be physically overmatched in this one without Watt. And if they have some of these other guys not available, especially Fitzpatrick, it's going to be tough to oh, do, Chris. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, Fitzpatrick is unquestionable, like one of the top three, four safeties in football. He's a phenomenal football player. He is there, you know, Palomalu, read eyes all over the field, kind of crazy that way. I mean, he's awesome tackler. He's awesome in the past game. You, you know, you got him and a Cam Hayward less than 100% with that defense right now. Yeah, it becomes a very unintimidating defense altogether. And, you know, we already know they got a, a lot of challenges this week playing the Buffalo up in Buffalo. And, hey, maybe with Kenny Pickett. I, we talked about this yesterday. Between Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and George Pickens. Yeah. Somebody's going to be one-on-one. Yeah. Somebody's going to be open even if they're not open because they're good enough to go get the ball if it's close, especially Claypool and Pickens. Let's see what Pickett does throwing that ball around. Let's see how it opens up things in the in the running game for Najee Harris. Yeah. Uh, th- that's going to be the Steelers' only chance. It's, if the defense is banged up and continues to be this banged up, Against that Bills offense, it may be shootout central is the only chance the Steelers have. I, Mike, so it'd be, I, I, oh, it'd be an exciting game. You're, you're, I'm, listen, I, I don't, I don't think they can do. I, I'm very interested in that point. I didn't know we were going to get to this side of the ball with talking to Pittsburgh, but I, I, I really love that point you're making there. You know, I, they're not going to be able to run the ball. That's not going to change. So, well, I, I, as I sat there and watched him on film the other day, I just want to wonder where they're going to go with this. I could see them going. You know what? We're going to let Kenny Pickett be in the shotgun and drop back, and we're going to throw it 40 times a game. Uh, I could see them doing that because he's smart. He knows where to deliver the football, and that might be the best thing they got. Let him, hey, pick you apart, surgical, 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 bam, bam, bam. And then like we talk about with other teams, finally get some teams to go, okay, wait, we got to start playing a different defense here. He's going to pick us apart for five and seven and five and seven and blah, blah, blah. And now you get one-on-one with Claypool because they're sick of getting, you know, nickel and dime down the football field. To me, that'd be one of the ways I would look at it to go, we want to make it work. And I think he's well-schooled enough and ready to go and a better passer than Trubisky already that I I might go with it and just go, let's go. Let's get the ball out of his hands. Let's let him wheel and deal. And then we'll take a few calculated shots every now and then once we start kind of getting a rhythm. I wouldn't be shocked to see them take that approach. That's the approach we've seen from the Bengals under Joe Burrow with their great receivers. Burrow and the Bengals go back to Baltimore this weekend where the Ravens suddenly can't buy a win Last year when the Bengals won in Baltimore, that kind of really made everyone pay attention to what the Bengals have. Burrow was asked yesterday, here's the question and the answer on whether and to what extent last year's win in Baltimore really turned things in the right direction for the Bengals. Have a listen. That game in Baltimore last year, I mean, I'm sure you guys were confident training camp going into the year, but was was there an affirmation that came with that game? Was was that when you guys kind of really realized that last year's team could be special. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. 
you know, we had a good season up to that point, but when we went into Baltimore and beat them the way we did, you know, kind of proved to ourselves that we were who we thought we were, and we just built from that point on and looking to have that same thing happen this season. And, and that's the key. After starting 0-2, they've won two in a row. They could have won both of the first two games they played this season, should have beaten the Steelers, arguably should have beaten the Cowboys. They're finding their groove. They looked good last Thursday night against the Dolphins, and now they go in to Baltimore where they get a little desperate, especially defensively. That, that Look, if, if the Bengals' offense is ever going to fire on all cylinders, Chris, it's going to happen this Sunday in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you would you'd think this is a good opportunity for sure. You know, the Bengals' defense, as we've discussed a lot on podcasts and the show, it's good. You don't have to worry about that side of the ball. We know the offense has talent, but I don't think it's quite, you know, it's not maximizing its potential. And we know, yeah, the, the Ravens have issues on that side of the ball. They can't rush the passer. You know, Marlon Humphrey is the only premier cover guy they got on that side there. So that's where, you know, they're a little stuck as well. But I will say this, Mike, like, you know, I heard like uh, uh, last week during that game. You know, Kirk Herbstreit started talking about, hey, they they got they want to attack more on offense. They got to start doing more on offense. They are doing a disservice right now to the talent on their football team. They were disrespected, in my opinion, by watching the film by the way the Dolphins played them. The Dolphins played them like, we know your offense, we don't really care, and yeah, we doubled Jamar Chase for the early part of the game, but you know, you don't move, you don't formation, it's the same formation, everybody's stagnant, the route tree is very simple to where at the end of the game, Mike, the second half, they just played man-to-man across the board because they were like, we're, we're comfortable, Jamar Chase only runs a go route and a slant route so we're we're good playing man-to-man even though we know we can't really play a man-to-man they gotta do more they have to do more they are way too talented and way too talented across the board on that side of the ball with the quarterbacks and receivers to be letting people off the hook the way they are and not challenging defenses a little bit in, in my opinion Mike how does that happen, though? Because you get so close to winning a Super Bowl, you would think, and this is nothing against Zach Taylor and the coaching yeah. staff, but I guess it is, why aren't you doing everything you can to go next level with these great weapons you have to get the best – is it, is it just like what you talk about with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys? You just get to the point where, hey, these guys are great. Just let them go do their thing. I, I don't I, need to do anything special. I think so. I think, you know, last year, again, their playbook has it all, right? It does have it all. I don't look at it and go, oh, man, I wish they had this player, that player, this play. But, you know, last year, hey, they were in a mojo. I think they, you know, teams are figuring them out. Whoa, how do we defend Chase and Higgins and do all of this? And they didn't have to do a lot. And they had a little bit of, like, you know, proper in-game adjustments. Wait, the team's playing like this? Okay, we'll go to these core of plays that work against that. That's great. But I think people have realized how they attack a little bit now. And that's where, you know, the good ones, you got to start changing it up. But – you know, there's there's lack of there's never a bunch. There's never a tight end here and three receivers here. There's never a shift. There's never a motion. And they're letting the Dolphins in times in the first half, Mike, double cover Boyd and Chase, and they're just going, wait, Boyd's there, Chase is there. We're not going to move. So you guys are all comfortable with who you got in the double instead of wait, let me shift the formation and make the double team go here and here and communicate and wait. Now they got three receivers and we're doubling two of them and they're switching off the line and we're trying to double them and we can't figure it out. They do nothing to put the pressure on you that way. They are purely reliant on the physical talent of the guys to what you're saying. And that's, that's 
good most weeks, but it's not going to get them back to the promised land. They they got to do more. They're frustrating me right now when I watch them. Big test this weekend, though, because, again, the Ravens feeling a little desperate. Yeah. They're going to be digging deep. Another one that could be a shootout where the two offenses right? try to match each other yeah. score for score. A closer look at week five grab bag style when this Thursday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this. I heard that at the gym the other day, like three times. With Joe Flacco, I mean, he had that game against Cleveland. I just had this image of you at a gym. Yeah. Jersey meathead. Right. With a bunch of other Jersey meatheads. <laughs> yeah. You know, lifting weights and talking football. And it's both fascinating and terrifying for me to consider that conversation. I am kind of a psycho at the gym. So that I do think scares people away because I am the guy that's like, I'm doing squats. And then as soon as I get done, I put the weights down and I go over and, you know, do dumbbell bench. And I wait 20 seconds and I do it again. And that's kind of how I work out. So it's hard to, you know, interject in there when I have some free time. I, I keep it moving pretty quickly. Oh, oh no. Some of that work right there. <laughs> moments in gym misfortune. Uh Chris Sims at the gym. You heading to the gym today after we finish the Picks podcast coming well, up later this morning? I still have a bunch of stuff to do. I'm going to hopefully get to the gym around 4 o'clock today. I mean, I, my day is not over after the Picks podcast. I got a few other, you know, things I got to do for NBC. I'll be on Brother from Another later today. You know, I do a little thing with, you know, Lebitard and Stagat. So I got some work that, that goes on here throughout the day a little still here. I don't think it's Stugatz. It's Stugatz. Uh, I call Stugatz. him whatever the hell I want. It's, Stugatz. It's that that, that dumbass from Stugatz. Long Island who's a Jets fan. That's what he is. That's what I call him. <laughs> All right. Grab bag week five edition. Cowboys three and one at the Rams two and two. Buy or sell, Chris. Cowboys defense dominates the Rams offense just like the 49ers did on Monday night. Well, I'm going to buy this. I am. I mean, again, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as saying, like, dominate them like the 49ers did, but I think it'll be very close to that. I do think they can make this game very ugly. I'm a believer in the Dallas defense. I'm a believer in Dan Quinn, a guy that I, you know, I, I was really like, man, it, his defense stinks at the end of Atlanta. So, uh, and then you look at the Rams' offense and go, yeah, what scares you? The offensive line's not as good. They can't run the football. There's no receiver that's really scary. It's just like, wait, can we have a plan for Cooper Cup? And honestly, if you're, you're happy if he has a game that he does against the 49ers. Oh, so what? He caught a bunch of five-yard passes. Whoop-de-freaking-do, right? As long as he doesn't go deep over the top for 60 and 50 and stuff like that, you'll let him have all the five-yard catches you want. So... Uh, I do think it's going to be an ugly one, and I think the Cowboys' defense will at least win that battle against that Rams' offense. I think here, here's a fascinating dynamic for me yeah. on this game. When the Rams got their asses kicked week one by the Bills at home, they had 10 days to regroup. Right. The next train is barreling down the tracks. You got the Monday night game. You get home late. Here come the Cowboys. You're five-and-a-half-point favorites. The Cowboys just have that kind of weird vibe because Cooper Rush doesn't doesn't jump off the page at anyone, but the team is good and yeah. they're winning, and that defense can give the Rams fits, I believe. I don't know, like you say, that it'll be quite as dominant, but it's going to be good enough yeah. to match up with the Cowboys' offense. It should be able to at least stay within five and a half. We're not going to tip our hand for the upcoming Picks podcast, but... 
I think we both kind of are starting to believe in the Cowboys even without Dak Prescott. Yeah, definitely. I, I just go, oh, man, Dak Prescott gets back. Watch out. I, you know, I'm, I've misevaluated the Cowboys. They're, they're better than I gave them credit for across the board. There's no doubt. And, and yeah, you know, Cooper Rush, as long as he can – it's going to be a defensive struggle. There's no, no question about that in this one. I would be shocked, and I don't think, you know, a 17-14, 20-17 type of game – Whatever in that range, I, I certainly am. I'm, I'm expecting to see that you know, the Rams' offense. It's it's Strugglesville here. I mean, it's real Strugglesville. It's it's nothing pretty. There's nothing to look at right now to go. Oh wow! Last year they came out of the box and we saw it right away. Whoa! The passing game, the running, everything was working. They can't protect. They can't run. Allen Robinson's not the same man that he used to be. So that's not going to change a whole lot there. And, yeah, there's some real concerns there with that side of the ball and the Rams for sure. And, by the way, we are not contractually obligated to mention this. This is a service to the fans out there. Ten days away until the Cowboys and the Eagles get together in Philadelphia on the networks of NBC, specifically NBC and Peacock. So that's coming. That's a hell of a game. Week six could be game of the week. Week six. Eagles, for now, go to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Yesterday at his press conference, Jalen Hurts was asked no questions at all about the Cardinals, so he took it on himself to bring up the qualities and the attributes of the Eagles' next opponents. Here's Jalen Hurts. I, w- I will say this, too. Um, I didn't get any questions about the Cardinals for real this, this game, so I don't want y'all thinking this is this is a really good team. We're about to play. They They... They have a really good defense, disruptive up front. Um, they have speed on on the back end, so um, let's let's not set the precedent for that. This is a good football team. I like that. I like that. I love it. Hey, hey, media. Hey, media. Let, let's not let's not overlook an opponent because if the media is overlooking the opponent, maybe the team and the players will overlook the opponent. So grab bag for this game, Chris. Fill in the blank. The Cardinals need to blank if they want to hand the Eagles their first loss of the season. I, I mean, I'm going to make a basic here without getting in the weeds. The Cardinals need to have an offense that makes some plays, you know, show some explosive ability if they want to hand the Eagles their first loss. I mean, he said it right. Arizona's defense is good. It ain't so good that it's going to stop Philadelphia. Philadelphia, is a, they're, they're almost unstoppable to a degree. They got to answer for everything. So you, because they're so dominant in the run game and everything, you 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 have to play, you know, your cards and show them a little bit. And if you overplay one aspect, they got checks and balances for everything. Whether it's hey, they're overplaying the quarterback run, we're gonna do this. Hey, they're overplaying the run, we got the RPO. Hey, we got the play action pass. Now we're man to man outside. I mean, they they have everything there to where like. I don't care how Arizona and Vance Joseph, I got respect for that side of the ball, but Philly's going to get their points and they're going to score and they're going to make plays. Arizona is the the is the most annoying offense in football. Getting the shotgun and, and and we go three yards in a cloud of dust, except it's not running the football. It's their offense stinks. They got to make some plays. They can't, you know, they, they got to do something there to keep pace with this Eagles football team. That's just a, a rolling machine on the offensive side of the ball. Please remember that the phrase is now three yards in a cloud of dust up. And also, <laughs> I want your first thought, first right. thought okay. in response to this question. Yes. No mealy mouthing, no either or. Next five years, 
Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts? Josh, which guy do you want? I know. Okay, I know. This is a this is a, a real thing here. Like, there's the mealy mouth. I know. I am. Well, there's some context here. Like, who do you want? It's a lot closer than I would have expected. I'll say that. I would have gotten the year ago, and I, you know, you know me. I had my questions with Jalen Hurts and all of that. There's no doubt about that. Um, Kyler Murray is still a superior thrower of the football compared to Jalen Hurts. There's no. I still think I'm going to go with Kyler. Okay, but it's close. It's close. It is. You know, again, I think there's some offenses we could put them both in, and I'd go, well, Jalen Hurts isn't going to work that offense as good as Kyler Murray can. I don't think it's just like as slam and as easy as that. Again, I think if you put Jalen Hurts in Arizona with that shit show on the offensive side of the ball and how simple that is, okay, it ain't going to look like we everybody thinks it is. And I can promise you if you put Kyler Murray in Philadelphia with all that weapons and the best offensive line in football and great coaching, he's going to look a lot better too. So I don't. we can't always be prisoners in the moment. It can't be, well, Cooper Rush is better than Dak Prescott. Oh, oh I, actually, I'm taking it back. Jared Goff is better than Matthew Stafford because his stats are better through four weeks. Get the F out of here, everybody, with that. This one's closer than I expected, though. I will say that for sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad you restrained yourself. I, I want to go off and there. say the F word's bad with this, some of this stuff going on right now. By the way, Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury joining us in about 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> he just hung up. He's not anymore. <laughs> uh, I, my point was, it is close. It is. And, and that means it's time for Howie Roseman to start doing some long-term financial planning as it relates to how he's going to fit Jalen Hurts' next contract under the salary cap. Because if it is close... That means Hertz is going to be north of forty million dollars per year after this season. That's what that means. I, I, I mean, I, I don't. He's on track to get that type of contract. Yes, he's clearly. You know, I went into the year going. I'm not sure he's definitely a like on solid ground being a great starting quarterback. Okay, he's he showed me that he's not an elite thrower of the football. He's still not that. But he has a lot of other things that he does that are that are you know have elite traits where you just go okay he can make up for it and then with the team and the way they play it makes sense there so you know I'm I'm with you there it's certainly looking like they're going in that direction I'm not a hundred percent sold yet but I'm getting real damn close that's for sure real quick on this last one Seahawks two and two at the one and three Saints coming off of a heartbreaking double doink loss in London to the Vikings what's more likely. Geno Smith, the PFT Offensive Player of the Week and the NFL's NFC Offensive Player of the Week, continues to cook or the Saints defense locks him down. Last year, they sacked him five times and held the Seahawks to 219 total yards when Smith was playing in place of Russell Wilson. I'm not um, – I, I tend to – not that they can't still win the game, but I don't think it's going to be 320 yards and three touchdowns and we're dicing them up. So I, I'm going to take the Saints more – in this matchup, you know, I don't, again, I don't think it's going to be interceptions and, oh, we only scored seven points in an offense, but I don't think life is going to be easy for the Saint, uh, the Seahawks offense and Geno Smith in a desperate, desperate football game for the Saints at home this week. Interesting dynamic as well. If you haven't noticed in the past several years, the NFL has gotten away from the automatic guaranteed buy after the game yeah. in London, both the Vikings and the Saints 
playing this weekend, both at home. They don't have to travel again, but they have to play after going to London, having everything disrupted, turned upside down. Now they're back. It'll be interesting to see if it affects them. And the NFL realizes you can't just guarantee every team that plays in London a buy on the back end because there's too many of these international games now. It just doesn't work. So we'll see if that affects the Saints or the Vikings for that matter. Let's take a break. Can the Dolphins take care of the New York Jets without Tua Tonga-Vailoa? We'll discuss that when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. Is it any harder to tune things out when people are suggesting something's wrong with your character, that you did something wrong here? Um, you know, it, that would probably, um, be, be hard or that it would probably be crumbling if it was coming from within the team or, um, the people that it is my job to service. I'm actually the anti-TO, I would say, you know, talk good about me, talk bad about me, just talk about me. I'd be cool if no one talked about anything. That's how I've been operating my, my, my whole career. Um, but fully expecting that they're going to have all sorts of opinions because that's the nature of the beast. That's, that's what happens when you watch it and are a fan of it for your entire life. You see it happen over and over. Um, I mean, nothing, nothing, I guess, in that avenue would really surprise me. Michael Daniel being very pragmatic four games into his NFL head coaching career. And, and look, I, anybody who's in this business, I, I had this conversation with my wife years ago, right about the time we started having reader comments at PFT. Do, are you reading these things? Well, can you, why do you let these people say these things about you? And it's like, look, the passion that is manifested in those comments is the passion that fuels their fandom of the sport. It's what brings them to the game. It's what brings them to the website. And they have an outlet for that passion. I got no problem with that. They're passionate. They're passionate about their teams. They think I'm saying something about their team that they disagree with. This is different, though. And, look, I can cut Mike McDaniel some slack. And I love Mike McDaniel. Let me preface everything that I say, and I know you do too, Chris. What happened against the Bills in real time, I don't know what he saw from the sideline. He's, he's in a different perspective than the rest of us. We all who were watching the game saw Tua wobble and almost fall and a teammate hold him up. We don't know what Mike McDaniel's doing in that moment. We don't know if he sees that. He's thinking about the next play. He's talking. We don't know. I have the bigger issue with the absence of an adult in the room last week in the entire organization, whether it's Chris Greer, the GM, McDaniel, the head coach, Stephen Ross, who was suspended but still could have gotten word to somebody that I'm not real comfortable with the idea of Tua playing on Thursday night after what we saw on Monday. My bigger issue is that there was no one within that organization, which ostensibly is led in the locker room by Mike McDaniel, who even tried to make a persuasive case that they should just give Tua the night off and let him heal from whatever it was that had him wobbling on Sunday and had him on the injury report and had them call up Skylar Thompson and have him ready for the game. So they knew the tool was iffy for some reason going into that game. That's my criticism of McDaniel. Not Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and into Thursday. I, I, I mean, I hear you. It's not a good look for the Dolphins, for sure. 
I do think it's an incredibly hard spot for the head coach to be in there. And it's not, you know, we all look at the head coach and we just think, oh, they're the great and powerful Wizard of Oz and they have the answers for everything and all that. No, you know, it, it, it's not as easy as that. And you know, you're explaining it the right way in a lot of things. There's a lot of different people that go into this to, to make the stew here and put a good football team out on the, on the field every weekend. And with this, I mean, again, first off, I think, you know, I look at it like this. McDaniel, he cares about his players. He cares about human beings. I've known him long enough to know that that's for sure. He, he wants the best for Tua, but it's also in football world. And in football world, like you said, he's coming up with a game plan. Wait, defense, you're doing this. i got to manage the game, blah, blah, blah. i got to come up with a game plan. All the things that are going into all that. The doctors tell him he's clear and he's good to go. And Tua's telling him he's good to go. You know, what else can he do? He's not a doctor where he's going to bring him in and go, you know, I want to give you my own concussion test now and, uh, you know, stick your tongue out and say, ah, like that's he he has to lean on some of the people in the area where he's not the expertise, let alone. Hey, you know, I know there's a culture like player says he's OK and he wants to play. We go get a Hey, look at this tough SOB. Great for him. He wants to play. I love it. I mean, that's it's a badge of honor. It just came back to bite him in the ass in this one, you know, especially with it being four days later, which, you know, probably, of course, we know didn't help the healing process if there was the head injury there and all that, too. So it's not a good look for the organization overall. But I can't sit here and, you know, like you're saying, totally blame Mike McDaniel here. You know, this is where, again, the freaking doctor and the other doctor that got fired got to be the adults. That's what they're there for. They're not with the McDaniel doesn't look at them every now and then and go, you know, what do you, Hey doc, what do you like on third down? You know, I'll tell you about concussion protocol. You give me a third down call. Like, come on. That's where it's a little hard. If you're the head coach or Mike McDaniel in that situation. This is one of the realities too, of hiring a 37 year old first time head coach, because he walks through the door and there's a system in place that he is not comfortable disrupting. Sure. That's his first month on the job. That's right. 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 This doctor's been here. These other people have been here. They know what Who they're doing. I? Right. Who am I? Right. I wasn't even working for this team eight months ago. I was working for the 49ers. Who am I to turn everything upside down? So it's a lot of momentum to push back against. And and this is why, and, and I wrote about this, and I've talked to people around the league about it. Owners don't get involved in these kinds of decisions. And I'm not saying they should. And this is an unprecedented situation. My point is when you have a good owner, not just somebody who happened to have the most money to buy the team, because that's the only real factor to get into the billionaire club, club oligarch. If you have enough money to pay the price for the team, unless you're a complete and total asshole, you're in, right? So uh, so count me out. So uh, for a variety of reasons. <laughs> but some owners are going to ask questions in a way that will get the other people on the payroll to say, hmm, that's a good, that's a good question. That's the, the owner's asking a pretty good question here about whether, you know, we should just pivot to the backup for a night. You know, the, somebody who can take that, they say the 35,000 foot view, somebody who's in that position, who listens to the things that are being said outside the organization and, and is definitely influenced by the things that people are saying about the team that that person owns distill all of that, ask some questions, and with Ross suspended, good luck. That that possibility is off the table and was off the table. So I'm not putting it all on McDaniel. He's new. 
Somebody needed to be responsible here. Somebody needed to raise the questions at halftime of that Bills game and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday going into last week because they could have gone with Teddy Bridgewater from the get-go, and they are going with Teddy Bridgewater from the get-go this weekend. Here's Bridgewater on keeping the team confident that it can still win even though the starting quarterback isn't playing. Honestly, it's just be yourself. Um, I can't be I can't be Tua. I had to learn the lesson when I was in New Orleans. I couldn't be Drew Brees. So it's like, as long as I continue to be myself, the guys realize, man, this guy isn't faking. He's not trying to be something he's not. It's like, it's a sense of relief. Like, okay, yeah, we know we're getting a real version of him. It's not trying to be something he's not. And um, that's just my approach every day. And that's the right way to be. And look, they can still win football games for however many they have to go. See, now it's becoming a more complicated, small P political process within the NFL and within the Dolphins because of what happened last Thursday night. They already ruled Tua out for Sunday, I think on Monday. Like, well, wait a minute. You got these protocols that could possibly let, like, but, but, but they know it would be a horrible look to let him play. The conversation that should have happened last week has already been resolved this week. No Tua. And who knows when we'll see Tua again. So it's Teddy, and I think they can win with Teddy Bridgewater. And if they can't, I'm kind of excited to see what Skylar Thompson can do, Chris. Well, yeah, but, but I, I mean, I think your main point there is, is real. of course they can still win with, with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, yes. You know, again, Tua's been very good. I know that. Yes, there's, it's been good. But, again, I'm not sitting here going, oh, no, they don't have Tua. It's over. To me, their offense is really the story. It's the offense, what they have to deliver. And, you know, the fact that, you know, they don't ask Tua to make high-level, big-time throws on a consistent basis. It's just every now and then, hey, we've done this, we've done that, we've done this, we've done that. Oh, now's the time. We got him. Right? And we saw that Teddy Bridgewater, they moved the ball and made some great plays on offense last week against that team. Threw the 64-yard bomb to Tyree Kill that you're watching here on Not the screen. underthrown. No, Not exactly underthrown. right, which Tua did earlier and threw an interception on a, on a similar play. So, uh, again, the Jets' defense is good. It's better than last year. But I still expect the offense and Teddy Bridgewater to certainly have some success here and, and move the ball with the way their scheme is and, of course, the talent they got around them. You know, what happened last Thursday night was so troubling and disturbing and just knocked us all sideways. I forgot how awesome those Bengals uniforms were. Yeah, they were great, I, Like, that right? became an afterthought. A right. week later, I think I can say, with a high degree of confidence, those uniforms are badass, and I, I hope they trot them out at least once or two more times this season. Let's go ahead and take a break. We will look at the feats of strength coming out of week four of the 2022 NFL regular season. More PFT Live presented by Google Pixel right after this. Is your post game a tire Sunday uh, owed to Belichick in some way? Cut off? No, not at all. Actually. It wasn't, no. But, uh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, that would have been something that I might do for sure if I'd actually thought about it. But no. Good question, though. I hadn't thought about it. So, what was it then? What, what was it? it then? If it wasn't an homage to Bill Belichick, again, what was that cloak he was wearing? I yeah. still. We spent time on it yesterday, and I don't know. I don't want to know what it was. It was odd, but it was not a nod to Bill Belichick. Well, maybe it's like Shalaman or Sh what? How do they say that damn word? What is that? What do they Shaman? call it? Shaman? Maybe it's shaman, shaman attire, right? Maybe that's what know. it is. It kind of looks like that. Like he could be 
you know, walking around some tiki hut going, here, drink this and join the journey with me. Look at it, I have a little extra potion like, in my it, necklace, too, that I can sip on it, if I need it. He <laughs> looks like he's trying to set himself up for one of those umpteen Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus. It seems like they crap one out every few months, and they actually end up being pretty good. So maybe Aaron Rodgers is trying to set himself up for a post-football career in entertainment. All right, uh, we are here to entertain and inform and enlighten. Matchup draft for week five. Any matchup that tickles your fancy, Chris, you are up. I'll go to the the matchup that's going to happen here in New York this weekend. McDan- McDaniel versus Sala, right? Ooh, you know, Mike like McDaniel, it. right? Robert Sala, they're both on that 49er staff together. You know, just the, the chess match there is interesting. Certainly. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things. Sauce Gardner, how's he going to handle Tyreek Hill and all that? Are they, you know, going to be on each other's tricks and what they do? So I, I look at that matchup to be pretty fun, let alone, you know, it's Zach Wilson's second start of the year and Teddy Teddy's starting now. But I'm, that's an under-the-radar kind of good game at 1 p.m. for me. Th- that, that's a great one because they know each other from their time together right. in San Francisco and, and that chess match that always goes on maybe even more impactful in this one. I have to go to Foxborough. They're breaking out the Pat Patriots. But more importantly, Matt Patricia, who calls the plays on offense, is going to see the team that fired him roll in. And look, you got a lot of two and two or better teams in the NFL right now. Well, there's two one and three teams getting together this weekend in New England. Both the Patriots and the Lions desperate to get their second win. And Matt Patricia, surely anxious to stick it to the Lions, who gave up on him a little prematurely. So I want to see if we're ever going to see a great performance from Patricia as a play caller, it's going to be in this one. Yeah, uh, I, I hear you there. There's definitely a little motivation to stick it to your old team there. And, of course, with them being desperate and, I don't know, Mac Jones and what the status is there, I, I'm sure it's very iffy whether he can play. I haven't heard much about Hoyer. So, uh, yeah, I mean, man, we're sitting here going Detroit 1-3, and three, you know, a little more dangerous than maybe we all expected, and the Patriots in danger of going one and four. Like never would have thought that. So yeah, there's a, there's some added incentive along with that Patricia thing you're talking about. All right, the next one I'm going to go with is the the Rams O line versus the Cowboys D line. The Cowboys, it's one of the best pass rushers in football. The Rams pass protection, it's the one of the worst in football. Let alone, it's really one of the worst offenses in football right now. And it's not like, oh, just because this happened or that happened. It, it's really not that good. They are physically getting dominated, and they don't have a lot of answers right now. I'm, I'm interested to see what McVay and company can do to kind of slow down the role of the Cowboys' defense on that side of the ball, and if they can protect Stafford well enough to where he can make a few plays or at least attempt a few passes to get the ball down the field. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield against that 49ers defense mm. because Mayfield – who made that $4.5 million bet on himself. And we always love it when guys bet on themselves because it's not our money that is being put at risk. Here comes one of the best, if not the best, defenses in football. As Mayfield, who's at home, who was getting booed at home and has already started into the I don't care if they boo, and we know that he does. This could be one of those days where he just gets splattered. I mean, if if he's ever going to find a way to justify his giving up the money and the Panthers trading for him and sticking with Matt Rule and whatever the Panthers are trying to work through. They're one and three on their way to one and four if Mayfield can't solve that defense, Chris. And I don't think he can. 
I, I, I would be shocked. I mean, again, Carolina is one of those where right now, I mean, it, 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 it's a flip of the coin if you took the defense off the field, whether they can go down and score a touchdown. So, yeah, against this crew here, they got their work cut out for them, and they got to figure something out. (laughs) Uh, Let's take a break and do round three of the week five matchup draft when this Thursday edition of PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, concludes right after this. The show is PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Learn more about the matchup draft round three for week five Chris who do you have you know I'm gonna go down to New Orleans we, you know, we, we talked about that game Seattle Seattle with their you know kind of playing better than we expect Geno's cooking right throwing the ball around a lot the Saints their offense stinks they're gonna have to rely on their defense to be really good Marshawn Lattimore versus DK Metcalf uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned during the break, we saw Lattimore follow Justin Jefferson around for a good part of the football game last weekend and, you know, again, I, I, to me, that's got to stop. I don't think like, and again, we'll see. Maybe Marshall Lattimore can handle a DK Metcalf, but I, I put a guys in like Tyreek, right, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, like the, the best corners in football can't cover that man-to-man on an island. You've you got to double-team those guys and put your best corner on the second receiver. That's the way to go, but the Saints don't seem to do that. And I'll be interested to see if, you know, DK can take advantage of Marshawn Lattimore, who has success against bigger wide receivers more times than not. That's why Mike Evans periodically exactly. loses a gasket right. with Mark Marshawn Lattimore because Lattimore can shut him down. Okay, my second round pick dealt with a struggling quarterback against a great defense. How about a struggling quarterback against a bad defense? Minnesota I've seen this movie enough times to think the Bears have a chance to go steal one from the Vikings after flying back from London, after having that double doink rabbit out of their butt win that they should have lost to the Saints and they should have lost to the Lions. They should be one and three, frankly. This is a chance for Justin Fields, whose passer rating is 58.7. That's a bad passer rating, even in the days when, you know, the passer ratings weren't inflated by all these high-end offenses and great quarterbacks. 58-7 sucks as a passer rating. He's barely completing 50% of his passes. If he's ever going to have a good game, it's in these conditions, indoors against a bad defense, Chris. I want to see what Justin Fields can do because if he can't get it done against the Vikings on Sunday and in the Dome, maybe they do need to start thinking about other plans at quarterback in Chicago. Be interesting. I, I, I mean, I think the Chicago fans are certainly watching closely. I, I was on, you know, a, a little thing out there with NBC Sports Chicago last week, and that, that's all they could ask about. Uh, I think they're concerned. They're con- How could they not be? You know, some of the things we talked about in the draft evaluation process are starting to rear its ugly head a little bit. You know, He's got just, no help, though. He I mean, that's the problem with first-round quarterbacks. Yeah. They get drafted into a bad situation. Right. They get three years, I and get then you. they wash out, it's, and they never get another chance again. It is, it is, it's a tough spot. There's no doubt about it. But the, the, the thing that's concerning to me is not throwing the ball all that well, even when people are open, right? Not being consistent with good decisions. And the thing that scares me more than anything, Mike, is they don't even seem like they want to call pass plays. Like, they're scared of what he might do. And when I read between, you know, the tea leaves and that kind of stuff, that usually tells me they don't trust the quarterback. So that's where I'm a little scared and interested to see it this weekend against the Vikings. 
all the more reason not to trade up and draft a franchise quarterback when your GM and your coach are on yes. the hot seat. Because yeah. then you change the regime, and the new guys are going to want their own guy. That's how it goes time and time again. We are out of time. Thanks for joining us. See you Friday. See ya.